My name is Tyler. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Tyler, if uh, you do know me. And um, so I am uh, just so ready to dive into God's Word uh, right now with you guys. But if we just pray together, that would be awesome. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for um, being the God that comes to us when we were so helpless and so lost in our ways. You came uh, to this earth. You died on the cross. You rose again so that we can find life in you. That's amazing. God, I just want to pray that that is real to us today, that we can uh, just just soak in the truth that you have for us this morning. And Lord, we just praise you for who you are and what you do for us. And we're so unworthy. We love you so much. It's in your, your precious name that we pray in Jesus. Amen. All right. So we are in the fourth week of our uh, series that we're working through uh, called Life's healing choices. Let's see this is going. Hey, there it is. Life's healing choices. So this is a series that uh, Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church kind of works through uh, as kind of a kickoff series for the Celebrate Recovery uh, um, event that their program that they put on. And uh, So we're in the fourth week uh, and we're just kind of using their resources to, to help uh focus in on how much we need healing. Um, so I want to kind of take a step backwards and, and review what we've been going through so far. The first um, three choices in this life's healing choices, the first three, I, I think I could sum up in three uh, short phrases for the first three weeks. Week one, I can't. Week two, God can. Week three, obey him. Okay, so week one was, I can't. That one's called the reality choice, okay? Uh, I realize that I am not God, that there's, um, that I have to admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong things, that my life uh, is, is unmanageable. I can't, okay? Week two is, God can, all right? That is uh, what we call the hope choice. It says that I earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me change. So I can't, God can, then week three is obey Obey him. That's what we call the commitment choice. That's what Tom talked about last week. Here's what uh, that says. It says, I consciously choose to commit all my life and my will to Christ's care and control. Obey him by following him. That's what that means. And if you're like me, you may be asking, how? How do I go about doing that? And that is exactly uh, what we're going to be looking at today, the how behind we can go about these three things. Um, So the fourth choice that we're going to be looking at is called the house cleaning choice. And that choice is, it says this, I openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. It's going to read that again. I openly examine and confess my my faults to myself, to God, and someone that I trust. You're going hold on a minute. Hang on a second. I, I, okay, I can um, I can be honest, you know, with myself. Be, you know, I can confess stuff to God because He probably knows what's going on. But like to everybody else. That's a little ridiculous. And uh, I just want you to relax. We're not going to ask you to do that this morning. And I don't really need you to do that for the rest of your life. What we're 
what God's asking you to do, what he's pleading for you to do, is just be honest. Be honest with yourself, be honest with God, and be honest with the people that are around us. It's because freedom is impossible without honesty. The Bible says in John 8.32, it says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In other words, truth is the cost of freedom. And furthermore, freedom is the reward of truth. It's what we find when we see truth, is we find freedom. It's our reward. If we want to be free from all the stuff that we're carrying around in our lives, it begins with being honest with ourselves and with God and with those around us that we trust. Okay, and I believe that my purpose today is to help bring you hope and to encourage you to take the steps necessary to move forward in your life, to help us see how things can be, to see how things will be, and actually in a very real sense, to see how things actually are right now in our lives. Um, And I want to help us understand, maybe in a way that we've never understood before, just how deeply God loves you. Just how deeply God loves you. It's so important because when this whole issue, this whole idea of honesty starts to come up, a lot of us kind of get afraid. We get get kind of scared. Like, I don't want to get into this. I don't want to it's just kind of painful. I don't want to be reminded of these things in my life. We're kind of afraid of it. But the Bible says in uh, John 4.18, perfect love casts out these. And I believe that whenever I'm afraid of the truth, and if you're afraid of the truth, it's because I don't fully understand how much God loves me. Just being honest with you. I don't fully understand how much God loves me, so I, I become afraid of the things in my life. I become afraid of what God's word says about my life. If I really understood the depths of his love, there would be absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Amen? The text that we're going to be looking at is found uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's in Matthew 5 8. We're working through the Beatitudes in this series, uh, some teachings of Jesus that he says will lead us to a blessed life to a life that's found in him, to a life that is renewed and restored in him. And so Matthew 5, 8, it states, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the first thing I want you uh, to notice is what it doesn't say. Okay, Jesus is not saying, Blessed are the religious people in heart. Okay? It's blessed are the pure in heart. Some of the most unhappy people I know are religious in heart. And you know these people, they're just so unhappy that they they won't find satisfaction. So everybody around them is so unhappy because their life consists of a religion that's based on don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, no, 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 no. Okay? The Christian life isn't about that. The Christian life is not about don'ts. It's the Christian life is about do. It's not about can't. It's about can. The Christian life is not about no. It's about yes in Jesus. Jesus says in John, I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. Not that you might have religion, 
but that you might have life. So Jesus doesn't want me to be religious. He wants me to be real. Jesus doesn't want you to be religious. He just wants you to be real and honest about what's going on in your life. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. doesn't say blessed are the perfect in heart. Just be pure, be honest about what's going on so that we can find healing and purity in him. In John 11, we read about the time when Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the dead, if you recall. I want, I want us to kind of look at that for a moment, because there's a truth here that we need to, we need to look at right now. Um, because remember, the Bible just doesn't just tell us about things that God did. It, it, it reminds us, and it tells us of how God does things, how he continues to do things in our lives. Uh, the scripture says this. I'll just read it for you. It says, when he had said these things... He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, this is Jesus crying out, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. So it says he was bound hand and foot with linen strips uh, and his face was covered with a cloth. He was uh, pretty much clothed in his grave clothes, his garments that he was um, put in the grave with. Uh, there's significance here. That means that nothing that binds you up and keeps you from fullness of life, nothing that trips you up as you try to follow Jesus, nothing that covers you up and keeps you from the rest of the world, none of that can withstand the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. When you gave your life to Christ, the Bible says that he brought you from death into life, right? It's just like Lazarus. You're brought from death and brought into life, but there are still things in your life that keep you from fulfillment in Jesus. As we read a moment ago, Jesus said, I came to give you fullness of life. But if we're honest, there are things that bind us up, that wrap us up, that we trip over as we're walking out of the grave that are still holding us back, that Jesus still needs to take out of our lives, that restrict us. Um, Jesus says, I want to set you free from all this stuff. It's not just enough that I'm bringing you from death into life, but I want to bring you into freedom. Okay? And he does this through his people. Look at uh, in John 11 where it says, at the end of the passage I just read, Jesus said to them, who are the them? Them, uh, they are the disciples, his followers. Jesus said to his followers, his people, you unbind him and you let him go. Jesus does it through his people. That's why it's so important for us to be in relationships with followers of Jesus that are willing to go to the nitty-gritty stuff and remove those things out of our lives and seek healing in our lives. That's why we have Celebrate Recovery. That's why we have family nights, is that we can come together as a body of believers and seek Jesus together. There's no other hope aside from that, right? Jesus says to his followers, unbind him and let him go. Notice he doesn't say, unbind him and then wrap him up with a bunch of other stuff. He says, let him go. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
It's not to bind us up and to restrict us with a bunch of rules and um, policies about our Christian faith, right? It's the freedom that Christ has set us free. Then John, in John 8, 36, he says, If the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, not the religious in heart. So firstly, I think it's important to understand that you cannot make your own heart pure. Good behavior does not purify uh, the heart. You can't just say, I'm going to clean up this part of my life and behave myself, and then, I'll, then I'll have a pure heart. Good behavior does not purify the heart, but a pure heart will change your behavior. Let's say that again. Good behavior does not purify the heart, but a pure heart will change your behavior. Repentance is not what you do in order to earn forgiveness. It's so true that repentance is what, what you do because your forgiveness has already been paid for. It's already happened. In Romans, we read, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so the only way to have a pure heart is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Shed on the cross for your sins. Purity of heart is the gift of God's grace. You cannot earn it. You can't buy it. The only way to get a pure heart is to surrender to him, to give your life to Christ, to follow him and let him forgive you and your sins and purify your heart, to give you a new heart. Listen, this is so important for us to understand. The basis for a pure heart is not how good you've been. The basis for a pure heart is how good God is. The basis for a pure heart is not how good you've been. The basis for a pure heart is how good our God is. It's not how good you are. You're not that good to begin with. But it's about how good He is. It's not how good we are. It's based on God's character, not ours. It's based on his actions in our lives, not ours. It's on his righteousness that we stand, not ours. It's on his goodness, his, his redemption that we find our identity, not, not ours. So my question is, what does your heart want? Like, what does your heart want? Deep down inside, what does it want? Do you want to see God in your life, or do you not? That's the question. I want you to be honest with yourself. I personally think you do, because you're here. I think there's something, there's a deeper um, desire for you to, to come to know Jesus a little bit more, to come into uh, his, his holiness and find clean cleansing. I, I think that you have a little bit of a desire in there. You may deny it, but... I think it's important that we, we be honest with ourselves right now. And when we follow him and when we seek this righteousness, when we seek him, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. It's a lifelong process. And if you have a role to and we we all have a role to play in that process. Uh, and so do God's people, like you individually and everybody around you. Like we're a community. We are um, a body. We're a family. That's what the, what the Bible says. And in your role, my role, as an individual, 
is to surrender to Jesus. That if we all surrender to Jesus together, we can all be in the same place of atonement, the same place of understanding and forgiveness and love that he intended it to be. And I want to get, I want to get back to the fourth choice, uh, this idea of examining our hearts and confessing our sins. Lamentations uh, says this, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Why does the Lord want us to examine our ways? Why do we need to be tested in this way? Why does he want us to take this kind of inventory? There's a couple of reasons, I think. One is that I can't really understand the fullness of God's forgiveness until I realize how undeserving I am of it. Luke says this, uh, Jesus said, He who has been forgiven little, loves little. It can also be said that he who has been forgiven much, Loves so much. Loves so much. I won't, um, if I don't see the wound that's in my life, if I don't see my sin, then I won't see, I won't recognize any healing. If I don't see that there's something that needs to be healed, if I don't see the sin, then I won't see the forgiveness. But I think there's a second reason uh, for this kind of heart sense, this kind of reasoning in our head. It's because so much of our continuing struggles, so much of our behaviors, now are tied to poor choices that we've made in the past. Maybe the result of things either that we did or maybe something that happened to us, around us. Those are the things that still shape our character today, that still change our behavior, they shape our thoughts, they've shaped our lives altogether. You probably won't want to tell anybody about those things. And those things, yes, like our sins are forgiven, yes, we're we're made new in Jesus, but there are things that need to be taken away. We need to be unwrapped from the clothes we wore in our grave and be clothed in his righteousness. There are hurts that still need to be healed. There are habits that need to be broken. There are sins in our lives that we still need to offer to God. And God will do it. He will take care of those things. Philippians says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And he wants to do it in your life. He also wants you to cooperate with him, to be a part of this with him. And you may think, oh, it's all forgiven, then then why can't can't I just kind of carry on with my life? Why can't I just go on my merry way? That's, That's just not how it works. If we continue reading in Philippians in chapter 2, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It says to work out your own salvation. And that basically means you work out what Jesus is working in. You work out what Jesus and God are working in. There needs to be in your life some demonstration of on the outside of what God is doing on the inside. And I know that there may be some here that say that that sounds really like nice um, and fun and cool. But you've got to understand, like, what I am holding, like, what I'm carrying in my life. You don't know my past. You may be thinking, you don't know my present. You don't know the guilt that I'm carrying at this moment. You don't know the things that I've done. 
and that I'm still doing. I know there's some of us right here, right now, that you are living with a memory, maybe a painful memory of things that you've done in your life, things that are still going on in your life. There are people right here buried in guilt, paralyzed by guilt, of things that have happened. Maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's just lust, sin, overall. Who knows what it is? There could be old ways of thoughts that are still so eminent in your in, in your mind. And you might be thinking, it's too late for me. I, every time I make this promise to God, I always like let myself down, let him down, and then I make a promise again. Then I let him down again, I make a promise again, I let him down. It's just this perpetual cycle of just being a mess up. It may work for other people, but it's too late for me. I'm here to tell you right now that it's never too late, my friend. It's never too late. If you think you are too sinful, you're too far gone from God, you're just what he's looking for. You're exactly what he's looking for. Jesus said himself, for the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, came to seek and to save the lost. You, my friend, are exactly what he is looking for. You cannot come to grips with God's forgiveness until you come to grips with how much you need to be forgiven. He's not asking you to make a promise like you may have tried to do in the past. No. He's asking you to receive a promise that he's already kept, that he continues to keep. First John, we read, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God promises forgiveness, and he never breaks that promise. You have his word on it. He will not lie. He loves you. He cares about you, and he wants to bring you into freedom and wholeness in him. Not to just bring you from death into life, but from death into the fullness of life. This is the pathway. This is the process to get there. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. You want a pure heart, guys? You want to see God at work in your life? In your family? In your household? In your business? In your relationships? In your friendships? Do you, do you want to see God there? Do you want to see freedom in there? Or do you not? That is the question. And if you do, then you have to let the Lord set you free. John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free. It begins with being honest to God. When we know the truth, and it's going to set us free, it begins, it begins us to think and examine our life and admit our faults to ourselves, to other people, and to God. That's um, the beginning of the healing process. And I know I've given you a lot to think about so far. Uh, I know this is kind of heavy stuff. And notice that we haven't really laughed a whole lot since we started. Maybe it's just because I'm not really a funny person. But sometimes I'm not enough. Uh, no, I think it's just because this is kind of heavy stuff. Like it's, it's really important stuff, but it's kind of heavy. And we don't really want to think about it all that often. But I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to just think about 
This idea of becoming what you already are. Of stepping into freedom and of how God wants to set you free from the things that are still keeping you back. How he wants to take those grave clothes off and clothe you in his righteousness. And I know this kind of honesty with yourself and God and other people is scary. As I mentioned before, I'm not denying that. But remember who we are in the message. Remember what role we play. We're the saved people. We, we were so lost and then he came and found us and he purchased us with his blood. And, and it says here, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. That's what I said. I want you to know how deeply God loves you right now. If you don't understand that he loves you, you don't, if you understand that he loves you, you don't have to worry about the things in your life. You don't have to be afraid of consequences of things happening. They've already been taken care of. He's already paid for them. Just step into the freedom that God offers you. And so as you are thinking about this choice, whether you're doing it now or you have in the past, I want you to remember uh, three different things. Uh, three things that I'm just going to kind of wrap up with. And I just want you to remember these things when, when you don't feel a lot of hope, when you don't feel a lot of encouragement in your walk with God. These three things are huge. First of all, we're going to start with this. We have to remember God's kindness. Remember God's kindness. Romans 2, 4 says, God's kindness leads you toward repentance. It's not his anger, it's his kindness that leads us towards repentance. By his kindness, he draws us closer to himself. By his kindness, he reveals the things in our lives that we must repent for that we need to turn from so that we can find true life outside of those things. And so the second thing to remember is this. We have to remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness. In Hebrews it says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Remember his kindness. Remember his faithfulness. And then thirdly, we ought to remember God's promises. Remember his promise. He said, um, he says this in 2 Corinthians, um, Paul writes this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put, I'm sorry, this is in Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, that is Jesus, that is why it is our through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So let's remember his kindness, remember his faithfulness, and remember God's promises to us. And I want, to, uh, I want you to take courage. I want you to know that God's working in you. He's already started this 
process. He's got you in a process of becoming uh, who he created you to be. You don't have to be afraid. Follow him into it. Follow him into the freedom that he has for you. And if we can kind of turn the lights down, we're going to step into a time of reflection um, as the worship team comes up. Uh, I just want to I just want to pray uh, together for a moment as we as we pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your sacrifice, for coming here for your death on the cross. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as we approach communion, that it's it's a renewed understanding of who you are. It's a renewed understanding of why we do this. And Lord, I just pray that we can worship you with everything that we are and that we can bring ourselves to you. Uh, every, every ugly part, every terrible thing in our life, Lord, I just pray that we can bring it to you. Because you are good to forgive us and you are good to love us. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray to you. Amen.